0: Happy Friday, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is Nip Talk, and we're back after a week off, and we're ready to go. In today's episode, first off, the CDC just issued a travel advisory for people going to Mexico to have surgery. I'm going to tell you why. Next, are abortion bans in states going to cause a doctor shortage? We're going to talk about that. Lastly, there's a new scam out there targeting kids, and it's causing suicide, and we're going to tell you what you need to know. It's coming up right now. Live from Lincoln Center in the heart of the Dallas Metroplex, this is Nip Talk, an honest and uncensored show about plastic surgery, health, beauty, and lifestyle, with your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman, and your co-host, entrepreneur and social media influencer, Sarah Vendor. Now it's time to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of the topics everyone is talking about. It's time for Nip Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. We really do appreciate it. Please leave us a like, subscribe to the channel and leave us a comment. We want to know what you want us to talk about. I'm your host, plastic surgeon, Dr. Bruce Herman, and with me always is the great Sarah Bennett. Hi. And in the box is the man, the legend, Travis. What's up, dude? (laughs) What's going on? How's it going? It's going good. How you been? Cannot complain. How about y'all? Been good. It was nice to have a week off. We didn't yes. have a show last week. I, you know, I was on vacation yeah. last week. I was really gonna try and do a show while I was on vacation and the vacation was so crazy that I just couldn't pull it off. And I felt bad and I wanted to post something, but I was like, Well, I think the world will probably survive if we Yes. We, we understand. One episode. What was the crazy part about it? Oh, my gosh. All right. So I, I, didn't want, I don't want to bore you guys with like tales of my vacation, but I will give you kind of some of the highlights because it was pretty insane. So uh, we went to Italy and we flew into Rome uh, and we we the reason we were there is we were doing a motorcycle trip down the Amalfi Coast and around the east side coast of Italy. And so we had this motorcycle group that we were meeting. They're the people I ride with all the time. So my wife and I went a few days early and we did the Rome thing, which was really cool because neither of us had been to Italy. Uh, and so we picked up our bikes. Everyone flew in on Saturday. They, they met us there. And then on Sunday, we went and picked up our bikes. And there was 10 of us riding, well, 11 actually, because my wife, Cindy, was riding on the back with me. And she was the only girl that went. She was supposed to ride with the wife of one of the other guys who was going but then that other girl backed out like the last second yeah and so cindy kind of is like well what am i going to do and she decided she was going to ride with me which i thought was super cool i was a little surprised when she said she wanted to do that um but it ended up being awesome but riding a motorcycle in italy is not like riding a motorcycle in the united states um It was very adventurous. Uh, First off, the roads are super, super narrow. I mean, super narrow, especially like in the towns. And so you constantly are having to watch out for things like on the side or other vehicles. Uh, also, a lot of the roads in the smaller towns are cobblestone. Even some of the oh, ones no. in Rome are cobblestone, <laughs> and like riding a motorcycle on cobblestone sucks. Like it's yeah. not flat.
1: Like and a, riding a, <laughs> I remember riding a bicycle on rocks or yeah, like
0: yeah, it sucks big time. Uh, we caught rain every single day. So you get wet cobblestone. Like, it's even Slippery. <laughs> even worse. Oh, wow. Um, and then there's a whole lot of, like, incline declines in the town. Oh,
1: yeah, for sure. So
0: the riding is, like, super technical. Plus, the roads aren't very well marked, you know. And so in the first day, there was three or four crashes in our group. Yeah. Like, it was crazy. Plus, some of the guys, and these are all pretty but experienced. But you didn't
1: have a crash. Huh? You didn't have a crash?
0: We were one. So there was 10 motorcycles. We were one of four motorcycles that never crashed.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah, which is good. Plus, I had a passenger, which makes it even harder. It's much harder to ride with a passenger than by yourself. So I was pretty happy with that. You're Um, professional. Right, they're doing good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and these are good riders. But the thing was, I mean, part of it was some of these guys rented bikes that they weren't used to. I rented the exact bike I owned, which was so, so smart, because I didn't have to get adjusted or anything. Um, Some of these guys weren't used to riding with side bags, because we were on the road for seven days. So you got to have like maximum luggage. Well, a side bag extends the width of your bike noticeably. And you kind of get used to how wide a motorcycle is, but if it gets suddenly wider, you can sometimes get caught off guard. Mm-hmm. So a couple times they were catching things with the, with their back end. And then lastly, just the complexity of the driving, like wet cobblestone hairpin turns on inclines and declines, people, you know, had crashes. And so on the second day, like two people dropped out, they were like, we're done.
1: Oh, they're just like, I'm going to stay here at this yep. area. Yep,
0: that's exact... One of one of the guys went back to Rome. Um, so we went from Rome to Positano to... So Positano is that really famous city that you see on the postcards where it's like on a cliff and it's got the colored buildings, but they're like, do-do-do-do-do, because mm-hmm. they're going up the cliff. And then we went to Reggio Calabria, which is on the tip of the boot. Oh, no, sorry, we went from... Um, Positano de Maratea, which is kind of halfway down, then to Reggio Calabria, which is the toe of the boot, then over to Brindisi in the heel, and then up to Pescar on the Adriatic side, and then across. Uh, so it's 1,350 miles. Uh, it was amazing. It was just a little bit more exciting than I thought it might be. I thought it would be kind of chill. like riding in the States, and it's kind of chill, you know. But this was like adventure riding. And then we got shook down by the police in one town. Yeah, we had to go to the police station, and they, like, processed us, and... And it was like a shakedown. They, they said that we they thought we, it was like
1: weird because y'all were all bunch of like motorcycles driving around, dude,
0: we're all I, like I'm the youngest guy, but like 20 years, like this is like hell's geezers. Right. I mean, we're not like a motorcycle game here, right, at all. It was a shakedown, man. They like just came, they want to take our money. And they said that we'd illegally parked. And if we didn't come out of the station, they're going to impound the bikes. Um, but it was nuts. One guy got lost, ran out of gas, had to like leave his bike. Another guy, well, the same guy. Um, got lost in the mountains and ended up sleeping outside one night. I mean, it was just a crazy trip. So yeah, by the end of it, I was just like, okay, on Friday when we got, cause we got back to Rome on Friday, you know, it was, it was probably two in the afternoon. So that's like, you know, seven in the morning here. So I certainly could have prepped for a show to do it too. But I was like, I'm done, man. I'm like going to the bar and I'm going to have some drinks and I'm out so anyway. it sounds like um like the griswolds family yeah. vacation you it, remember like dude it was like that <laughs> but like but your life's in jeopardy oh I, yeah. I do have some pictures i brought just like a few. Oh, yeah. th- i don't want to bore you with pictures yeah and
1: he got me a present i did get you a present and i, I brought i brought Travis money
0: uh-huh. yeah i got yeah. my present too yeah i know Travis likes foreign money i do Travis yeah. just likes so, money uh oh Foreign money for sure so this is not anything great okay so uh that's the coliseum uh which uh is really really we cool we know what that be Huh? <laughs> it's like 2,000 years old. Uh, it's so cultured. It's really neat. That's the coolest place to take <laughs> the Chef picture. O'Hare Thanks to my guide. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was awesome. Uh, that's Positano. So that's the city on the cliff.
1: Yeah, and that's really pretty. you can see pretty. the buildings yeah, and, it's, nice.
0: it's, and the sun was not in a great place because it was, it was like sunset by the time we got there. But like the town is just amazing. If you go to Italy, please go to Positano. I want to go back. So that's me and Cindy. So there was a car following us and I had them take that picture while we were actually riding. So that's me and my wife on the bike, all geared up. I don't, we were. Yeah,
1: that is, that is a <laughs> wide bike.
0: How did you tell them to take the picture? I was like, well, these were, you know, older gentlemen. I was like, just do your best, take <laughs> a bunch of pictures. And that's the best one that I got. Did you do it while y'all were riding? Yeah, we, like, we were riding down the y'all? road. Oh yeah. wow, that's dope. Yeah, that, Cindy, I gave them Cindy's camera and she took that out. And oh, then okay, I think okay. the last one was when we were cutting. So those are the mountains, like in the middle of Italy. That's when we were cutting across from the Adriatic Sea over back to Rome. And we just kind of stopped and took some pictures. That's really
1: nice. And no cobblestones.
0: No cobblestones there. That was the, uh, they call it the autostrada, which is the freeway or autobahn, you know, for Italy. Oh, wow. That's nice. Yeah. The pictures look amazing. Yeah. I took a ton of pictures. We did like, so we did the Colosseum. We did uh, the Vatican, St. Peter's Basilica. We walked through Rome. I mean, it was, it was a blast. It sounds like it. It's it's one of those things we say a trip of a lifetime, but then I always hate to say that because it's like, I want to do something like that again sometime, (laughs) you know? You should
1: go to Greece.
0: I'd love to. Yeah, the Asper, motorcycle that's groups.
1: Greece, that I mean, Rome, Italy reminds me of Greece. I, well, and I've Cindy said
0: that she wanted to go to Croatia and Greece, so that actually may happen. You know, because um,
1: the Santorini reminds me of that picture you just took off. Yeah, with right, all Santorini. The, mm-hmm.
0: And I will say, I want to give a shout out to my wife. She stayed on the bike seven True days right. through the rain. Feeling You're awesome. You. There's not a lot of people <laughs> that would have done that. I mean, everybody was in the group was super impressed. They gave her like a, a biker nickname, the whole thing. So good job, Cindy. That is nice. So. Here, right. Oh yeah, it. your thing. Yeah, so um, so it's not anything crazy. Uh,
1: wi- I mean, it's you true drink to, wine, right? It's true to me. Yeah, of
0: course. So it's a wine stopper. That's uh, apparently Murano glass is a thing in Italy. Um, I, I think I've heard of it before. Anyway, so that's Murano glass. So I, I thought you know, it's yes. a wine stopper. So. it's very pretty. Well, I'm glad you like it. So nothing huge but i was thinking of you guys while i was gone and thinking about the show and i was like oh i got to get them something so we appreciate
1: it so. we appreciate it
0: all right so enough about vacations uh i guess we'll move on to some pretty good topics today i think one of them's kind of a repeat from something we've done before but it is there is a new cdc announcement out and it, and it is about plastic surgery and it's because there's kind of been a i don't want to say a pandemic but a rash of pretty rare fungal meningitis infections that have popped up and because that's kind of a really rare occurrence like usually it's viral meningitis and occasionally bacteria but fungal meningitis is rare um, they kind of trace them all back to this plastic surgery clinic in Matamoros, mexico and so the cdc has released this announcement that says that if you're thinking about traveling to Matamoros for plastic surgery don't do it which i really think the cdc should be saying that like anyway but yeah,
1: like just don't go just
0: don't go mm-hmm. so the story behind this uh there have been now five people who had spinal anesthesia so like an epidural so like yeah. what you get when you're you know having a baby uh for liposuction which i i think it's crazy to get a spinal anesthesia like i mean to me it's much easier to get a general there's i would i would never do a spinal for that i just but of course this is you know why i don't think going to foreign countries is great but anyway so they they did these spinal epidurals, and of course, that does introduce the potential of contamination to your spinal column. So, when your spinal, uh, your meninges, which is the covering of your spinal cord, gets an infection, it's called meningitis. Yeah. And viral meningitis is not something that's you know critically dangerous, but bacterial and fungal are. And uh, bacterial is probably a little bit higher mortality. But the one thing about fungal is there's no vaccine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have heard, but there is a vaccine for viral and bacterial meningitis. And they recommend the kids going to college get it because of the close proximity in the dorms. Yes. Um, but for, for fungus, there's not. And so they've, they've isolated five people so far, which means there's probably more out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, one has died, and four are still in the hospital. And so this is kind of a serious deal. Uh, and these were all tracked back to the Riverside Surgical Center in Matamoris and Clinica K3 in, in Matamoros. And so uh, just so that people are aware of the symptoms of meningitis, the one that you always hear about like in med school, and it's like the kind of like the, the classic symptom is stiff neck. You, okay. know, if it, you know, It's almost like you were in a car wreck, but you weren't. And your neck's like, oh my god, like my neck whiplash neckers. or something? Sort of like that. It's just really stiff. Um, Headaches, fevers, another one, nausea, vomiting, confusion, and then sensitivity to lights. So those are the symptoms of meningitis, um, you know, especially if you've had an epidural, whether it be in Matamoros or elsewhere. If you ever have those symptoms, please, by all means, go to the ER because meningitis can absolutely kill you. Hmm. Like right. it is a very, it's a very dangerous, deadly uh, infection. Um, so with fungal meningitis, uh, if it's untreated, the mortality rate is 100%. Yeah. Like if you get fungal meningitis and you don't get treatment, you die, period. Now, if you will get treatment, because there are some pretty good antifungal medications out there, the mortality rate goes to 10%, which that's still pretty high. I don't want to catch something where my chance of dying is 1 in 10. That's mm-hmm. that's way too high for me. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, if, if, if you ever think you might have it, definitely seek treatment. Um, so because these fungal infections are pretty rare, you know, it's not like unlike sometimes when people get infections, it might be from cam- contamination from someone's you know, skin, you know, either the patient's skin or the surgeon's skin, fungal infections are more unusual. So w- w- more than likely this originated from some sort of like contamination of equipment.
1: Probably, yeah. yeah. Fungus gets sense. on like
0: some, like some equipment, maybe some of the machines that wash the instruments uh, or the needles, maybe they're reusing needles. Um, so something caused this, um, but it is a big deal. and. You know, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've, I've preached here on the show about of the dangers of medical tourism.
1: Yeah, they and should just outlaw going to Florida and Mexico. <laughs> that's a big
0: step. I like what you're thinking. <laughs> probably, you know, that's, a, that's a really big step. I like it. but probably, don't,
1: don't have plastic surgery in any of those places.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a rough one because, you know, things like that where you get a contamination of equipment is something that shouldn't happen. And, and one of the reasons that we have all the safeguards in the United States, and I'm not saying that it can't happen in the United States. Right. It can, but it's not common. You yeah. know, you don't see that very often where people are dying from a repetitive infection. So uh, I know we talked about medical tourism a time or two, but, you know, there are chances that somebody is seeing this for the first time. So I do want to tell, you know, my reasons why uh, I, I'm against medical tourism. And first off, why do people do it? You know why? I tell them. Cheaper. Cheaper, right. It's, it is, it's, very, it's quite a bit cheaper. In fact, some of the studies say you can save 40 to 50%.
1: If it goes right.
0: If it goes right. God, really, you, you should be hosting the show. <laughs> you know, you're right. You're exactly right <laughs> if it goes right. Because if it goes wrong, you know, one of the things in the United States is, say, for example, if one of my patients has a complication, well, they don't have to go to the ER. They call me. I say, come to the office. Let's take a look at it. And most of the time, I can just deal with it in the office, and that's it. Well, when you go out of the country and have surgery and you get home and you have a complication, I mean, it's, it's pretty much impossible to get into some doctor's office, so then you have an ER visit and that generates a big bill. And immediately, if you have to go to the ER after you, even if you have insurance, if you have to go to the ER after you've had cosmetic surgery out of the country, like your, your savings is gone. Right. So you're absolutely right. But some of the things that I, are my biggest concerns about medical tourism And if you know anyone who might be thinking about medical tourism, please send them a link to this video. Uh, Because it's not like I feel like I'm losing business from this. The the reason I'm kind of passionate about this is for the last 15 years, I've been treating patients that have cosmetic surgery out of the country. And I I treat about, on average, one a month. So first thing is certification of the doctors. I mean, there's problems with certifications with doctors in the United States. We have OBGYNs and internal medicine doctors doing cosmetic surgery in Dallas Metroplex what's happening in Matamoros, Mexico, I mean, who knows? Uh, likewise with the facilities, I mean, same thing. Facilities in the United States are a little bit more tightly regulated than the doctors themselves, which is odd. Um, but, you know, you do have that question of what's happening in, in other countries. Yeah. And then one of the big ones for me is the doctor-patient relationship. And this is why I'm against medical tourism even within the United States is because when you look at like what's one of the biggest causes of malpractice cases, it is a failure of communication between mm-hmm. the doctor and the patient. And when you are getting on the internet and searching out this place and saying, I want to have a BBL or a tummy tuck or whatever, you know, you're know you not really talking to the doctor, you're talking to one of the intermediaries. And mm-hmm. a lot of times you show up at these places, you meet the doctor right before surgery, and then like you're in and having the surgery. I mean, that's not the way to do things yeah. to maximize you know, your outcomes. No,
1: it doesn't feel comfortable. Doesn't I don't know how would you feel about
0: that? I mean, I, I mean, you seem like a pretty reasonable person.
1: <laughs> no. I'd feel like I'd, really like, hesitant. Yeah. I'd feel like I'd have a lot of anxiety. Yeah, if I had to like, go immediately?
0: Yeah, and, and like it's just no, like you're on the no spot. No and then, well, at that point, you're already there. I mean, how many people go and then get a bad vibe and then back out? I mean, probably zero, right? Because think about like probably... if they flew there? Yeah, you flew there and i've probably spent
1: like five to six hundred dollars on a plane ticket
0: i bet you pay the money up front you don't pay after the surgery that's for sure so you probably pay before you even get there so uh, that's actually an interesting question i
1: I bet they have to pay a deposit too or something i
0: bet there is a deposit for sure i mean we do that here in the united states because you know we can't have people canceling surgery because then it it just from a business standpoint it's it's bad so But yeah, poor doctor-patient relationship, language barriers. I mean, these are complex topics that, um, you know, are hard to get across when you're speaking, you know, the same language as someone. So when you're speaking a foreign language, that could be even harder. Uh, One of the biggest issues, too, is complications generally arise after patients leave. They go and have the surgery. You know, everyone's fine in the first few days unless they have bleeding, which is rare, but it, it can happen. Uh, but the more significant complications, things like infection and then healing issues, which are the biggest ones for these cosmetic surgeries, happen after the patients are already gone. And then you get back, and a lot of surgeons in the United States don't want to deal with other people's complications. Mm-hmm. Like if you call up a surgeon, plastic surgeon's office, say, "Hey, I had a you know BBL and wherever, and I'm thinking I'm having problems," you're going to have a hard time getting in. You know, you're going to get stonewalled in a lot of offices. And then, as you said, you end up going to the ER and spend more money. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, I guess for people in Texas, this is noteworthy. I mean, I think there probably are a fair number of people in Texas that do go to Morris for surgery. Uh, Be very, very cautious. I mean, my advice is don't do it 100%, but now even 150%. I mean, there's some contamination going on with fungal meningitis. Um, It's bad enough that the CDC sent something out. I actually got an email from my hospital talking about this. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so it's, it's, it's big enough that it's getting, it's getting disseminated in a lot of like different ways. So, you know, I've always said, don't do medical tourism. Here's another reason. Definitely don't do it now. Yeah.
1: Don't do it. Don't do it. Say no.
0: So anyway, all right, moving on. So this is a I I like, you know, we're starting to do more controversial topics. We may catch flack. as we should, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think it's good to talk about it. Um, so. I don't know if you guys follow the news really closely. There's been a lot about abortion lately. Um, and so, you know, probably one of the worst things we could ever dive into. But, I mean, this does revolve around you know, doctors. And so I just want to take an honest look at this because uh, there's been some articles came out this last week that says that the, in the states where there are either full abortion bans or partial abortion bans, that they feel that there's going to be a doctor shortage. And it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, when you, and I'm going to go through all this data, uh, because when I read this, I was like, nah, that's not going to happen. But when you read the data, it does kind of show like maybe a pattern towards that. Okay. So, um, I, I think it's important because there is doctor shortages in the United States. Do you guys know that? Yeah, Mm-mm. No? I did not know that. Yeah, there are, and it depends on the specialty. Um, there's not really a shortage of plastic surgeons. Um, but there are specialties and, and OBGYN is one of them there are areas of the country where OBGYNs are scarce there's not enough OBGYN doctors to service the, the population of these you know small and middle towns and so that's where things like um, uh, midwives yes. you know become important sorry i had like a, a senior moment
1: i was about to i was about to you're about interrupt to interrupt you thank and you, say it. Thank, you <laughs> i knew you were look, looking for i was for. like
0: what are those people are that those they're kind of like obese, <laughs> but they're kind of like a nurse sorry i hope that's not insulting the midwives you guys do a good job um but there is a doctor shortage and so if you thought that laws were making that worse then i do think that that's worth discussing and when i first heard this i was like why wow what how is this possible so this all comes from a recent study conducted. This was done after the June 2022 Supreme Court Dobbs decision that basically overturned Roe versus Wade. And so, I mean, and this study is not like some, you know, huge monumental study. It was basically a survey, is is what it was. Mm-hmm. It was done out of Emory, I believe. And what it did is, it asked 500 medical students in 32 different states, which most of them were women. Um, what their thoughts were about the new abortion laws, you know, the re- really restrictive ones in certain states and whether that was going to affect their decisions in a few different questions. And uh, Travis, I think I got a, a slide. Yeah, so um, you know, one of the questions was, you know, is this going to affect which residency you're going to apply to? Which I, mean, I guess they're thinking there is maybe people may go into OB, I don't know what that, I mean, now to me that one was insignificant. Um, The second one was kind of the important one is, um, is this one going to affect the state of the residency program with which you apply? Meaning, if you are going into OB and you're going to a state that is really restrictive, are you gonna be less likely to wanna go there? And 77% said that access to abortion care would influence the residency choice of their state. And the last one is what, where do you want to raise a family there? I think what they're kind of trying to get at there is a lot of residents end up staying in the state that they trained in. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of an indicator. Like if you get like a lot of people wanting to go to a certain state and a certain specialty, then you end up having a lot of those people stay. Not all of them. I was one of the people. I I did residency in Kentucky, Tennessee, and then um, Michigan.
1: So, so the... Decrease in OBGYNs, is that what we're talking about, right? Yeah? Or just yes. doctors in general? Yes, yes. Okay. So it, so they're saying that it's going to go down if yes. there is a strict abortion? Or, yeah, that's right. Okay.
0: That's what they're saying. Okay. That's, what the, that's the theory. And when you look at that survey that says that 77% of medical students would potentially downgrade a choice based on the state being, you know, restrictive about abortion, it it does set off a little alarm bell um, because there's already doctor shortages and we don't, you know, necessarily want people to be influenced to go away from certain states. Okay. Um, When I first saw that, uh, I was like, eh, I don't know, I mean, I, I'm not really sure that there's any kind of smoking gun here. I mean, people will say that everything influences their decision about residency. I mean, if you ask me when I was applying for residency, m- my number one thing was well, it was kind of a toss up between what's the best program I can get into and what city doesn't suck really badly. Yeah. And those are my two <laughs> criteria. And, you know, me and my wife were couples matching. So, I mean, there was like a million different things that went into, you know, how we ranked our programs. Um, I can't say that. I mean, I guess abortion was still completely legal at that point. I don't, even, I can't remember. I think it was. I think some states were more restrictive, but um, that wouldn't have been in my kind of thought process personally. My wife, who is an ob um, I mean, she's never mentioned that when she was doing OB, she never did abortions, and 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 that's that's one of the reasons that I wasn't like you know super impressed by that data because I mean I don't know if you know I mean how well, I mean how many. What percentage of OBs do you think do abortions? I know I always put you on the spot here, and there's no right or wrong um,
1: answer. I don't know,
0: like 20%? It, you're close, 10%. It's pretty low. Um, my wife has never done an elective one. I mean, of course, you have to do ones for, you know, fetal demise or whatever, right? Yeah, if the ones baby that are died. like yeah, terminal. Do, yeah. yeah, Elective ones, I mean, there's very few people that do them, but not very few, like 10%. And it varies by state. Some states have more, some have less. Um, so I found that the data is like, well, okay, I'm not really sure that that's going to make a big difference, but there was some more data that followed that. And the next data was that, um, OB applications are decreasing. Um, that's one of the things that's worrisome is there's less people wanting to go into OBGYN and, and I think the reason for that mostly is that it's a rough specialty. I mean, you're up at night, you're taking call, um, it's very high stress because babies can, you know, get into trouble very quickly during delivery. Moms can get into trouble very quickly during delivery. There's a super high risk of of lawsuits in OB. Uh, And when you combine all those things together, I mean, there's a pretty high burnout. And and my wife's one of those people, she did OB for four or five years. And she's like, I'm done. Yeah, you know, like, I'm not gonna do that anymore. It's just too much.
1: Yeah, my my OB was very uh, straightforward, like, because I had a C section with Avery. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I'm doing a c-section, and I'm not like nothing else. So, <laughs> right
0: this is, you're gonna get this and you're gonna like it.
1: or if you don't want this, then you're gonna have to go to another doctor. Really? and then she was like, and then if you, if you and was that if because you stay of some... with me, because she's breached.
0: Oh, of course, right. Oh, that makes perfect sense. Cause
1: some, but some people are like, no, I'm gonna have her. I'm gonna have my baby naturally or yeah. whatever and i was like no. i mean i don't <laughs> honestly i don't
0: blame that it'll be i mean but you know, but
1: then there's other doc- there's some doctors that like once you have a c-section they'll they'll let you have
0: right a VBAC. it's called vaginal birth after c-section yeah they'll do that but then this
1: one she was yep. like no you Absolutely will always not, yep. you will always yep. have a c-section I don't after think this. my wife
0: ever did VBACs, um because that is risky. Yeah,
1: she's. Yeah, you she can was, die. Yeah, not. she's like, she's very like, you're not. I'm never going to put you at risk because yeah. then I'm at risk.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, it makes sense. Um, so, OB applications are down. Overall, they're down by five percent. But after the new, the new law or the turn, the Dobbs decision, the states in which had really restrictive abortion laws, the rate of applications was down by ten percent. So not only do you have people now in that survey saying, "Okay, I may not go to a state that has restrictive, you know, abortion laws to practice," I mean, to, to train, you actually are now seeing potentially that there's actually a decrease in applicants. Now,
1: I think it'll, I think it'll, the dust will settle once it all gets out of the freaking media.
0: I kind of agree and with people you. People go back you know, to
1: doing what they want to do. Yeah. Or what they're passionate about.
0: I kind of agree with you. There's two things about that data that that I have questions about. One, at the time, the states that had really restrictive laws were pretty small states. At that time, it wasn't Texas. It wasn't Florida. And so those states tend to have much smaller programs because they have smaller populations. And when you see an overall downturn in applications, you're going to see the biggest downturn in states that have the fewest programs. Because people cast their nets far and wide. So the states that have a lot of programs you know, probably went down by like 3%, but then the smaller states went out by 10 So that's one reason that that might have happened. And then also, all the spots filled, even though applications were down, every spot filled, and mm-hmm. the match rate was the same as the previous year. So I don't know if that data is important or not. Um, I kind of think it's not that important. I mean, as far as like the, the decrease in applications, I think there's reasons that. You know, oh, you
1: can... I would like to know what the, like what they're choosing besides being an OBGYN?
0: People like, are I going to what, a lot like, of specialty. Like, shift work. Oh. You know? um, you know, specialties where you take call are hard. You know, uh, Things like anesthesia, um, OB, you know, surgical specialties. I'm kind of the only exception. My call is not that bad. Um, but taking calls sucks. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you're basically working when you're at home in addition to the hours you already work. Mm-hmm so i think a lot of people are taking you know more shift type work um things are less stressful you know lifestyle is really important these days uh which you know back when we were going through i mean my wife and i did ob-gyn and general surgery it's like the two worst specialties you could pick i mean to us the lifestyle wasn't that that big of a concern but now it is mm. so the last thing about this is and this is all going back to is are these restrictive abortion laws going to decrease or cause a doctor shortage? There's a concern about training. So the ACGME basically is the governing board that determines what a program has to do to graduate a resident. Okay. okay so like an OB resident. Yeah. They say, oh, you have to have 100 C-sections and you have to have 500 deliveries. And I don't know if those numbers are right, so please don't quote me. <laughs> um, but the ACGME does say that you have to have some abortion training. And that's new because when my wife went through, that was not a thing. I think they implemented that like four or five years ago when I was when I was looking back
1: I thought that's such a big responsibility to have to like to be well to deliver babies and to give abortions yeah that's a scary responsibility either way it is
0: I mean you know there's there's a lot to unpack there I mean you're right I mean I mean life would be the first one to tell you that delivering babies can be very very stressful you know and you know, one of the things that was really rough for her is, um, you know, you get a lot of people that, that don't get any maternal care. You know, when you look at the data in the United States, and this is totally getting off in the weeds, but whatever. When you look at the data on the mater- on, in the United States, our maternal um, delivery uh, data is not great, meaning we have more bad outcomes with births than other countries. Um, and a lot of I it, did read
1: that. before. Uh, I have read that yeah. before.
0: A, a lot of that is due to, I mean, some of it is due to access, but not really because any mother can get insurance through Medicaid if they want. But a lot of it is that people just don't go to the doctor. You know, there were many patients my wife would tell me about that patient comes in, in labor, never seen a doctor for their baby. And, and you know, I mean, this is up in Kentucky and, you know, Indiana. I mean, you know, it's not like Highland Park, Texas, right, or, yeah. or Dallas. You know? As soon as
1: you, like, get a positive pregnancy test you're like doctor yeah
0: exactly so a lot of times those there would be bad outcomes and babies die and you know and if babies dies and there's lawsuit and even if you do all the right things i mean you can get sued and i I think my wife just like was like i'm done with that like you know which is too bad it's too bad she was really good at what she did and you know it's it it sucks to lose you know a good doctor but anyway the acgme recommends that training programs train Their residents in abortion. Well, if abortions are illegal, how do you train them? Mm. And so there's the question of: Are programs in these in these banned states going to be able to train the residents now?
1: So they probably have to like go to like Planned Parenthood, like like to
0: like universities in another state. Yeah. Because if it's banned in the state, what are you going to do? Yeah. Now there are exemptions for like religious or moral. So there's a lot of loopholes in there that are probably going to be fine. Either the residents go out of state for a month or they use the loopholes or whatever. So, so, you know, at the bottom of this, like we've talked about, you know, these reasons why abortion laws may be affecting uh, the doctor shortage. Um, so, you know, I guess the question is, is this real or not? I mean, I think the data definitely suggests that it's real. When you look at this data, there are suggestions that this may affect the number of OB-GYN doctors in these certain states. I honestly don't think it's gonna make a significant significant difference. I mean, there's, there's still a lot of people that wanna be OBs. And so I don't think you're gonna see programs in states not fill. Mm-hmm. Now, one thing, and no one's talking about this, I think you might see a brain drain. So brain drain means like the smarter people steer clear. Um, I, that may happen because it, even if you get, say, you know, of people that say, well, I'm not going to go to state like that. I mean, some of those people are going to be, you know, towards the top of their class and it's going to knock out some of the higher applicants. Mm -hmm. And then you're going to start to fill with lower applicants or even, you know, what happens with programs they don't fill, they can fill with foreign medical grads and not that those are bad at all, but that's what happens when you can't fill with, you know, Mm -hmm. with, with us medical students. And so there, there may or may not be a brain drain, meaning you're seeing, you know, less. On paper, skilled applicants applying, that, that, that very well could happen. Yeah. But I, I don't know. I feel like in the end, doctors are going to have to pay off their debt. And if states are offering big money for OBs to come in practice because there's not a lot of supply and there's a high demand, it's going to be filled. Yeah. So I, I do think that the, the take home from this is that, I mean, these laws do have unintended consequences or potentially do. And you know, and it goes well beyond you know doctor shortages. I mean, there's a lot of things that you could talk about with these new laws, and um, you know, uh, I I think some of them are pretty restrictive. Um, I'm not necessarily in favor of all of them, yeah sure. I'm. When I look at the data on like you know, abortion, like because I don't know, it's such a hot bot, hot button topic, and you think it's like fifty fifty, it's really not. We like, talked
1: about an, another hot topic the last time: transgender. Oh,
0: I know. Yeah, right.
1: Those are like those That's two things. That's back in the news again, Yeah, too. those. I mean, well. When does, when do we elect a new president and that all that stuff is being dug up, all of it's uh, just going to keep right, getting 23 right now. Yeah, yeah. All of it's just getting ready for the new, new,
0: uh, the new cycle to get people yeah, excited, to get
1: people all agitated yeah. and upset.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't see, I don't think this is going to be a, a huge thing. Um, I, I do think some of the laws are pretty restrictive, but I mean, you know, I mean, that's, it's, oh, what I was talking about is the percentage. Yeah. So like. <laughs> Uh, He got got me really sidetracked. Meals are (laughs) off. So uh, 20% of people think that abortion should be completely illegal. Yeah. 20% think there should be no restriction. And then there's everyone in the middle. And I find myself in the middle, as with most things. Me too. Yeah. I'm not really, like, really an extreme on anything. So anyway, interesting topic and something to think about. So, okay, moving on. Last topic. Now, this topic has nothing to do with medicine. Cool. It has nothing to do with plastic surgery. I'm actually, and it's kind of like a very serious topic. And the reason that I wanted to bring it up is because I think it's, it's, I think it's a very important topic. And I think our potential audience has kids. And this is a, it's a kind of a public service announcement about a scam that's happening to kids. And I read this news article this past week. And it was about a, a, a young man named Gavin Guffey, who was a 17-year-old okay. out in South Carolina. And he basically fell victim to a sexual extortion scam through what? social media. Yeah. And it, and, it, and it ended up in him committing suicide, like him taking his own life. And, you know, it, it was just a tragic. It was just horrible. I read it and I just, like, was sick to my stomach. And especially because I have a son, he's 18 and my daughter's 12. Um, and, you know, they're on social media and that's how this thing all started. And what's even crazier is someone tried to scam me in the same exact way. Now this was like years ago, and since then I've noticed like in my inbox that there's similar types of like phishing. They call it phishing to try mm-hmm. and you know catch someone in the scam. So how this scam works was uh, he was sent a direct message on Instagram, and the scammers were masquerading as a young girl. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they basically sent him a nude photo of of this some random of some random person. you know young girl and said i want you to send similar photos well he did that right? and and they tr- what they do is they trick kids into feeling safe by using things like vanish mode and, and those kind of things but you know you can always record mm-hmm. software right and and, and kids are, are really at risk for this because uh and, and he was a young adult You think he was 17 almost 18 but you know kids don't think about consequences like adults do and they're more impulsive and the reason for that is the the prefrontal cortex which is the part of our brain which does like the really kind of hardcore decision making and like analyzation mm-hmm. isn't fully developed until we're in there in our 20s yeah you know so when you're like a late teenager really like your your ability to reason things out is not as good as it's going to be yeah and so he sent the photos to them and they said hey, if you don't give us money, we're going to release these into the public. You know, we're going we're gonna to put these out there that this is you. Or maybe it's face. I didn't, the photos weren't released or whatever he sent, but they said, we're going to send this to everyone in your contacts list um, if you don't pay us money. So it's, it's extortion, right? Mm. You know, it, it, they, they basically get you to send a pic or whatever, and they blackmail you and, and to, and to send them money. Well, he sent them all the money he had, through Venmo and they said, that's not enough, you know, we need more money. And so he, he ended up taking his life. Like he killed himself. And
1: did they I, ever find out who did it?
0: They haven't. No, it's probably overseas, you know, almost certainly overseas. I get
1: creepy messages all the time.
0: It, like, it might be people doing the same people, thing because they don't, well, I, just... if it's on social media, <laughs> then they're going to know if you're a male or female, m- most likely, unless you have like an anonymous account. Um, so I, I, I'm, they, they do target young men, you know, and this is a big thing. So in 2022, so last year, there were 7,000 reports of sexual extortion schemes reported, of which half of them, there were victims. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, half of the people said that someone was trying to extort them, but they didn't, they weren't, they didn't send them anything. And then and the other half, 3,500 did. But how many out there probably happened that you don't know about? Mm. There's probably 10,000, 20,000 more and there's been at least a dozen suicides in a year from from these from these sexual extortion things um so yeah it's just it's it's really just tragic and i, I hate scammers so much and and for them to do something like that to you know a, a young adult it, it just it just makes me sick um i, I I mean, I, so this was like a non-medical, non-plastic surgery, but this is happening because it, it happened to me. So, and I didn't do it. I mean, I'm, I'm the most cynical person in the world. I think that if Jesus came here, I think he'd try to scam me out of something. Like, I don't trust anyone. Yeah. So, um, let me throw, I throw up that first pick there. Uh, so, these are, these are just the things I've got in the past two months. And these are on my cell phone. I couldn't even list all the ones I got on social media because I have, just like you, have pretty big social media accounts. So, my DMs are just full. But these are just phishing, like, hey, I have my number in your address book, but don't remember who you are. Do we know each other? Would you like to get a cup of coffee at noon? Hey, I'm Luann, blah, blah, blah. Good morning. I have your number in my address book. This is Wendy. What's your name? I mean, these are total scams. And so these are just the ones I got like in the last two months. But two years ago, I was sitting at my computer and I was actually playing video games and I was on Discord talking to my buddies and I get this random text. So throw it up there. I don't have the whole conversation, but I don't know if you can read it, but basically it says, "Hey, are you Grant? I'm Mandy?"
1: I got one of these literally a, a, like three days ago, really? and I said, and it was from a girl, yeah. and she was like, "Hey, girl, how are you? This is blah blah blah," and I'm like, "I'm sorry, yeah. maybe I'm forgetting your like who this is, but yeah. can like." where do i know you from and she goes it's me and then she sends me a picture of herself yeah and i go i go ew i don't know you and then i blocked
0: (laughs) so so i i think i I wrote sorry wrong number and then it's like oh so cringy blah blah so she sends this picture right and i was like laughing about this because i was on my discord and talking i was like hey i think someone's trying to scam me so i was like playing along and she was like um you know, what are you into? Are you a creep? I was like, oh, I'm in the devil worship and human sacrifice. Like, I was just trying to like creep this person out, you know? <laughs> like I literally said, I'm in the devil worship and human sacrifice. like, she was not phased, <laughs> right? So I was like, okay. If I didn't know it was a she's scam. She's like, tell me more. Yeah, tell me more. So then she sends another picture. I think, I can't remember. I kind of, yeah. So she sends this picture. Nice. And then she has she's, them
1: all just in her. Oh yeah, totally.
0: It's like, tell me what you want me to do. And so man. I like wrote something like, I would like you level up my video game characters and like. <laughs> That's a good one. I know. Right. And then she's like, you know, pics make me more. I was like, oh, you should get on Instagram. And then she's like, you know, it says, show me your cock. So like, show the next one. This is what I said. I sent her a picture of <laughs> <her first> a <laughs> no the the picture at the bottom below it is the funniest part oh yeah she was talking about like oh i have facebook and it says behold the field in which i grow my fucks it is barren (laughs) (laughs) and so i was just like you know i just like trolling this person um and then after that and i couldn't post what she posted because she started posting like nudes uh, well it wasn't her obviously
1: yeah it was probably an old man
0: yeah, it was like somebody like in a different country, probably. Like <laughs> <It> was,
1: <laughs> he was probably pu- paying that girl through OnlyFans to give. But I
0: mean, that's the scam, right? They they want you to send pictures, right? Yeah. Someone tried to do that ex- exact scam to me. And of course, I'm cynical. I sl-
1: get DMs like almost every like daily saying, I'll give you a $1,000 if you send me a picture of yourself every day.
0: Is that like that's more of like a business transaction (laughs) i know (laughs) but if you but
1: if i give them a photo they can still
0: (laughs) right oh totally i get what you're saying they can still
1: extort me for more yeah
0: i got what you're saying so it's like yeah i mean i'm not saying you should do that uh,
1: no i would never do that anyways but it's just like
0: yeah you really
1: think that like i'm that well okay so uh, and this is
0: circling back to why we're talking about this you and I, Travis. Hey, Travis, have you ever gotten any of these? Oh, uh-huh. Yeah, out of time. Oh, yeah, okay. So, well, I, and I told, I was like, I've actually had the conversation with my kids. I, even my 12-year-old daughter, I was like, look, do not respond to texts or DMs on social media that you don't, that you don't know. Yeah. So, but they, like, I've already, like, kind of made them cynical. They're like, yeah, it's a scam. Like, yes, it is a scam. <laughs> and I told my son the same thing. And I asked him if he'd ever heard about this. And he said, no. I was like, oh, really? And I was like, well, you know, I'm doing this segment. Because he's 18. You know, he's like in that age, so I'm like, dude, don't do it. He's like, Yeah, don't worry, Dad. Like, I'm not. But I, I want people to be aware of this because I when I told my wife about this, she was like, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? And so I mean, had you heard of this?
1: No, I lit that text that I got last yeah. this past like week. Like you weren't sure
0: what it was? Yeah, right? I
1: thought it was literally maybe this girl that I didn't right, know. Right, exactly. Because so, she said, Hey girl.
0: <laughs> people like, need to be aware because there are kids getting taken advantage of. I mean, their lives can be ruined by, you know, putting out pictures of themselves. I mean, you know, kids are killing themselves over this. So, you know, if you have kids or somebody you know has kids, please share this with them. I mean, you know, and we are kind of laughing. It's not really a laughing matter, but we, you know, try to make light of everything, but it's a serious deal. And, you know, this this kid out in South Carolina, took his own life. And there was, I think another dozen more last year. It, it really is serious and it really is happening. Like. Well, all three of us have had people that have been trying to scam us in the sim- in the similar way so yeah you know there make- was a, a lady one time she told me meet her in Lubbock i think is what it was and <laughs> she was like uh, I would have been like yeah i'll meet you there just wait for me don't leave <laughs> i'll <laughs> meet t- you there <laughs> i told her to meet me in iowa i was like we can meet like we can meet in iowa and we can like do whatever but <laughs> you like, yeah. I'll meet you there. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, yeah, um, I just wanted people to, I know it's not <laughs> medical related, but, you know. No, there's definitely something kids, you have to watch for, though. And
1: the mental, mental medical. <laughs> mental, Absolutely. right?
0: Mental mm-hmm. mental health, right? That's all right, that's all them, I man. got today, guys. I think there's some good topics. Everybody out there, please let us know what you think. Leave us a comment. Please leave us a like and a subscription. It does help us. We'll see you next week on Nip Talk.